Hello everyone, my name is Stephen Newman and you are listening to the premiere episode of the Pats Cast, your source for all important information and analysis of the New England Patriots. Since this is my first episode, I should give you some background on who I am and some of the things that I've been doing. So for the past roughly two years, I've been managing a DC sports blog. And it's given me some, I feel like, great experience in various elements of writing as well as some social media management, things like that. But one thing I was never really able to do for that as much as I wanted to is provide some analysis on football. Because while I, I follow Washington football enough, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, so... My best analysis, of course, would be on the team that I really like, and that's the Patriots. So with that, I decided to bring back an old blog site of mine that I had some Patriots content on before, but kind of let let fall fall off a bit. And I'm, I'm bringing that back, and I've decided as well to add a podcast to it because, let's face it, everyone's doing podcasts and it's sometimes more fun to talk out your thoughts than write them. So with that, let's get going. So the way this podcast will work generally is I'll have two episodes a week one on either Mondays or in some cases probably Tuesdays, just depending on when games are, that will basically talk through an article that I, a written article I write as a recap of the game. It'll bas- will basically go through, not point by point, but at least highlight some of the bigger things that I saw and wrote about. I'll also provide a preview of the upcoming game and any any news I see and feel like merits some discussion. So in this case, my most recent article, which by the way, you can find at smnewman48.wixsite.com slash sportswithsteven which is something that I will probably be changing in the near future. I will keep you all posted on that. But for now, that's where you'll find my written content. So back to the article that I wrote. is a recap of the 21-11 Patriots win over the Miami Dolphins in their 2020 debut. Some of the things that I noticed, obviously, as everyone did, Cam Newton brings a completely new element to the offense. It's a much more run-heavy offense now, and not just running, but specifically power running, right right up the middle, which is something that old-school football fans gotta love. It's something that I I honestly wasn't sure what to expect when the Patriots signed Cam Newton. I was somewhat skeptical, to be honest with you, but that part of his of Newton's game is it's always been a strength, 
and the Patriots look to be going with it, which more power to them because they do have the offensive line to support that. And their receivers, which I will get to, aren't exactly the best in the league. So it's certainly one way to offset that. So Cam, in his first game as a Patriot, ran the ball 15 times, led the team 15 times for 75 yards and two touchdowns, which you certainly can't complain about that. Uh, Sony Michelle did add a touchdown and I think 37 more yards, but obviously Cam Newton was the feature runner. And that's honestly something that may continue this season. One, one thing that I was really surprised about, however, just based on what I knew about Cam Newton and how he'd been as a passer earlier in his career, not to mention he's taken essentially two years off due to injury, was that he, while he didn't throw a lot, he only threw 19 times, he completed 15 of those passes, and even the four incompletions were ruled as on-target passes, so he didn't miss. And that's something that in Carolina, he was a little prone to do. He was he was never the most accurate passer. He'd always be around maybe 60% completions for the most part. And also he he liked to throw downfield pretty frequently as well, which wasn't something you saw a lot in his debut with the Patriots, which in some respect makes sense because the Patriots don't have a lot of speed on the outside outside of now Demir Bird, who I will also touch on. But just the game plan in general really it caught me by surprise, in part because it's such it's so different from what the Patriots had been running with Tom Brady for all these years. It's hard to even it was hard to even imagine them running this type of offense and yet it's precisely what they did. They played to Cam Newton's strengths, and it worked. Um, so looking at the passing game, though, obviously, again, there wasn't a ton of it, but it was efficient. Um, Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry led the team with five catches. Edelman leading in yards. He also had a... 20 plus yard run but one of the takeaways I had in the in the passing game aside again from the volume was the way that receivers were being used was there's definitely pretty stark contrast from what they had done last year one because Julian Edelman appeared to be more full-time in the slot which he mostly was last year with the exception of when they signed Mohamed Sanu. Granted, Sanu didn't play very many games before he got hurt, but Sanu was was a slot receiver, so they had to, to give him some reps in there. That's no more. Edelman's back in his star role in the slot. They've got Demir Bird now on the outside as, as a speed threat and as what... 
people refer to as the X receiver in that he essentially will dictate coverages on the outside, uh, which is helpful because that's a role that Nikhil Harry was often in last year. And while Nikhil Harry is, I still believe in him, to be honest, but he's not necessarily the best route runner. He's more of a playmaker when you can get the ball in his hands. He does have a great catch radius, but you don't really want to rely on him to be winning in his routes. And that's something that the Patriots tried to do a good bit last year. But now that they have Bird in essentially that role, really almost as a a light version of Brandon Cooks. They're not going to throw the ball to, to Bird like that. In fact, on Sunday, Bird wasn't targeted at all, which does need to change, but it, it illustrates the point that he's essentially a decoy, but he's a fast decoy. And it at least makes the defense honor a vertical threat. Patriots did not have that last year. But in addition to that, back to the point I was making about Harry, it allows him to become more of a move receiver where you can bring him either in motion or at a minimum you're you're getting him less press coverage so he doesn't, again, have to win with his route as much because there's space. So you, you can get him the ball on either a short pass or you can even let him go downfield, but probably shorter passes and let him make a play with the ball in his hands. That's something that I expect they'll do in the future. It's something that honestly they did in week one as well. It's how he got five catches. He wasn't getting five catches last year. And a lot of that was because he wasn't winning in his routes. So let him get the ball in his hands, see what he can do. That's really the only way to see if he was worth that first round pick anyway, is to give him a chance. And that's that's what they did. Granted, he did have a costly fumble, but overall, he looked fairly comfortable. And Cam Newton echoed that, that he, that he, um, he looked like he'd taken steps that he hadn't shown last year, which is certainly encouraging. Um, tight ends, they weren't good last year, and they didn't do much in week one either. Ryan Izzo did have a 25-yard catch, which he had a couple of last year that in that type of range, but it was definitely inconsistent. But to do that right out of the gate week one, I suppose, is encouraging. We'll see how that holds up, and really even if he holds up as the top tight end, which I'm skeptical of, in part because they drafted two tight ends in Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, so you're really banking on at least one of them taking on some kind of role. But on top of that, I I think Asiasi has a chance to be a solid receiving tight end. His tape, it looked good. The reports from him out of training camp were all strong. 
not only in the in the receiving game, but also as a blocker, he he made some strides that a lot of people probably didn't expect. But at least in week one, which is pretty customary for Bill Belichick, Asiasi, as with all rookies, didn't didn't play a lot. He got ten snaps out of sixty-four. So not much of a role there, but that's something that will change in the coming weeks, I would think. At least by midseason, I'd expect him to be playing a good bit more. Dalton Keene, since we're on that, did not play. He was he did show up in the injury report, but it's it's also not necessarily clear if he would have played anyway, because for one, he'd be the third tight end. He also is capable as a fullback, H-back type, but Jakob Johnson was active and at least has experience. So much like with Asiasi, where he didn't get a lot of reps, kind of what happened with Keen too. And when you're talking about a fullback, which is probably where he'd be higher up the depth chart at least, I mean, Johnson isn't getting a lot of reps anyway, and if he's the backup to him, he's just not going to see the field. So I don't know. I don't really want to speculate on why he was inactive because there was an injury too, but something to keep an eye on. He is actually off the injury report now, so we'll see for sure whether he's a guy that they, they want to play early in the year or if he's more developmental. Belichick has said he might be developmental, but we'll see. Definitely something to try, though, since Izzo didn't do a whole lot, and the tight end group as a whole last year was at the bottom of the league. So they need an influx of talent. So between Keen and Asiasi, it'd be nice to see that. But that should probably come down the road in the season. And then... Then you had the offensive line, which is really all reliable with this team. Isaiah Wynn, Joe Thune, David Andrews, Shaq Mason played really well, played 100% of the snaps. That's just something that you should expect every week, really, unless, unless there's an injury that pops up. The battle, however, was at right tackle between Jermaine Illuminor and Michael Onwenu. Um, it was about a 75-25, excuse me, split in favor of Illuminor over Onwenu, who looked good. They both looked good, but... That's where things are leaning right now. It is encouraging, though, that they have seemingly five starters that they're comfortable with, as well as Onwenu, who could become either a swing tackle, sixth offensive lineman type, or who knows? He, he may even start. He didn't get as many reps, but he looked just as good. So maybe they'll flip that this week. Tough to say. Um, obviously going back to the running backs, since I didn't touch on James White, 
He did lead um, the running back room in total yards. He had 52. Some of that, of course, was in the passing game. I don't know how that's going to hold up over time. I, I don't know what the offense will look like in that regard. If it is going to become a run-heavy offense, it might move against White because he was a Tom Brady favorite. That's what kind of kept him around. We'll see if that holds up. One thing that I have seen, however, just moving away for a second from my recap, was on Twitter, Evan Lazar from CLNS Media, who's really good with um, all, all 22 film. He, he, he tweets out all 22 stuff all the time, just quality game film. But something that he broke down was about how Cam Newton likes to have running backs, essentially, who are capable of, if you line them up in the backfield, that they they can flex out wide or vice versa, out wide into the backfield. That's something, I don't know, it, it could help White in that he can go out wide. But at the same time, you you want him to still be a threat in the running game. And I don't know how much he really would be, again, unless injuries happen. And really on the reverse end of that, with Sony Michelle, would how comfortable would you really be with, with motioning him out wide? That's not something that the Patriots have shown that they would prefer to do they he he hasn't been thrown the ball much at all and even when he has it's looked a little dicey so we'll see how that plays out that actually is one reason why Damian Harris who's currently on IR might start getting more snaps once he comes off because he's more or less the same type of runner Michelle is, but he at least looks more nimble, which should help him in the running game a little bit. But in particular, as a receiver, he'll, he at least looks like he has the ability to run around in the open field. Whether he can catch or not, I don't necessarily know. I don't know how many people even do know because he wasn't throwing the ball a lot in college but he at least looks like he he could be able to do it. So they'll throw him out there and see if he can. He didn't get a lot of reps last year, but it could be coming this year. And then in terms of the defense, the defense is actually more interesting to me right now. As, as interesting as the Cam Newton offense is, because the Patriots lost six starters from last year. Danny Shelton at nose tackle, all four linebackers, Dante Hightower, who opted out, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, and Alandon Roberts, who all left in free agency, and Patrick Chung, who also opted out. So there was a lot of unknown about what the defense would look like, especially on that second level at linebacker. And... I was a little surprised at at how it all panned out. Um, 
I wasn't necessarily surprised that Adrian Phillips played a lot. He was productive, very productive, with the Chargers, especially on special teams, really, but on defense as well in 2018. And, I mean, he has plenty of experience, of course, even though he's new to this defense. He's, he's been on the field a lot. He's, he's comfortable out there. And that's something that the Patriots didn't have a lot of at strong safety with Chung being out of the fold. Obviously, they have some of that with Terrence Brooks, but even he was in a pretty small role last year. So I'm not surprised they weren't super comfortable with putting Brooks out for heavy reps. Wasn't entirely sure how that would play out, but it went to Phillips, which I can certainly understand. The part that surprised me more was that Jawan Williams was on the field really as much as Brooks in pretty much the same position as a strong safety, box safety. He was more covering tight ends, but essentially that same position. I wasn't sure if I should buy the hype about Jawan Williams in the offseason. I mean, I I heard the reports that a lot of other people heard about how he looked great at strong safety after transitioning from cornerback. I wasn't sure what to make of that, if that could have just been lip service or if they would act on it in any way. My initial thought, really, with him moving from corner so soon was either one... It's strictly based on need because the Patriots are four deep, very strong at cornerback, and Williams just wasn't going to see the field there. Or they didn't really even trust him at corner, and they wanted to see if he could play another position. And they could have just been trying to sell fans on, yeah, no, he looks really good at strong safety. But, like, does he really? I don't... He looked really good in his debut, though. So I I won't knock it. And going forward, I suspect it's something we'll see more of. Especially considering this is his first week at the position. And he's already playing almost half the defensive snaps. I, I'd imagine that only goes up. But we'll see as uh, with different matchups how that plays out. And even broader than that, though, one thing that really caught my eye was just the the alignment of defense that the Patriots were running. It's That's something that was a talking point all offseason after all the linebackers left because the Patriots had been prior to signing Jamie Collins last offseason. They had been running a 4-3 defense. They switched that because they got so deep at linebacker that they had to. And it wasn't clear once all that linebacker depth went away, if they'd go back, if they'd stay in a 3-4, or if it'd be somewhere in between. Turns out they went 
even further in that direction. They played, depending on how you want to frame edge rushers, as whether they were defensive linemen or outside linebackers, it's either a 4-1-6, six, six being the defensive backs, or a 2-3-6. Either way, that's six defensive backs. They were playing short someone, almost two people, honestly, in the the front, the front two levels, the defensive line and linebackers. Six defensive backs is, I know it's somewhat the way the league's going, but that's a lot. And to further illustrate that point, out of the 60, 62 snaps the Patriots took, they had seven defensive backs on the field 19 times. The rest of the league, the other 31 combined teams in the league, only had seven defensive backs on the field 11 times. 19 for the Patriots, 11 for the rest of the league. I don't know if that's just Bill Belichick trying to make some kind of point, but it worked. So hats off to him. Um, Jawan Bentley is going to have a much bigger role this year. He's been a fifth linebacker of sorts back up to... Hightower and Landon Roberts. He's he's a guy that it it seems like it always seemed like Belichick trusted. They were just really deep. So now's his time to shine, and he did. He was on the field in his first game as a starter over eighty percent of the time, which is certainly sizable. And considering what I already said about how many defensive backs the Patriots had on the field, it really goes to show how much more they think of Bentley than the rest of the linebackers. Now, I don't know if that's just because they're hiding the other linebackers or if Bentley's just that good and the other defensive backs they think are that good that there's no reason to play more linebackers. But it certainly goes to show that Bentley is a cut or two above the rest, which. And then Chase Winovich. It's another big story. He was taken in the third round last year, which I'll be honest with you, I thought was a good bit later than he should have gone. He was. Even in, in college, you compare him to his running mate, Rashawn Gary, who went in the top half of the first round to the Packers. Winovich was more productive. Winovich looked more explosive. I don't know what it is, but he lasted till the third round nonetheless. He didn't play a huge role last year. That is changing this year. He is probably going to be their premier edge rusher he she'll probably be one at least one of their their most uh, prominent players in the front seven, if not the most. 
in terms of just the role they're going to they're going to use him in and he showed up he he was up to the challenge which is obviously great to see it it just it goes to show that even though he didn't play much last year I mean, he was really productive in the in the reps he got. He was second on the team in sacks and quarterback pressures in 25 to 30% of the team snaps. So it's not a fluke in terms of him just being uber productive in light reps. It looks like he has a chance to just be that good. Um, special teams, though. That is that's a work in progress, as I discussed. Uh, Nick Folk. I don't think they really even want Nick Folk to be their kicker. They just got nothing out of their draft pick. So they went with him because he's experienced and he did it last year. He uh, missed his only field goal attempt, though which certainly isn't optimal. That's that's going to be certainly a position to monitor. They did technically add him to the active roster. He was only active from the practice squad in week one. That has changed, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stick. We'll see. Punter Ryan Bailey was fine. Nothing great, but fine. Uh, the kick return game, though, kicks and punts, is where things are particularly uncertain, or at least as uncertain as kicker. My hunch is that once Gunnar Olszewski comes off IR, he'll be the punt returner. Can't confirm that. Just a feeling based on him doing it last year a bit and them wanting to take Julian Edelman out of that role. But we'll see. Kick returner? It was Demir Bird. I don't know if it'll stay Demir Bird. In part because he's he's starting on offense anyway. And it can be a little dicey to have a starter on offense returning kicks. Because you're running the risk of him doing what Muhammad Sanu did, frankly. Getting hurt. Missing an extended period of time, and then if he's missing time, I mean, what's that going to do to the offense? He's their deep threat. He's the guy that has a chance to to be that, to be that guy that opens up so many other options in the offense. And without him, who knows? Um, but we'll see. They'll definitely be offering up some competition out there, possibly with um, second-round rookie Kyle Duggar, who has been getting reps, had been getting reps there in training camp, and by all accounts looked really good. It's also a role he played in college. Granted, that was in Division Two, but he was certainly explosive. He was explosive at the Senior Bowl ahead of the draft as well. I'm not opposed to trying it, so... The worst they could do is throw him out there, have him fumble one, and then just take him out. It's not 
if that's what it comes down to, I mean, I, I, I would do that. I would at least try it. So then all of that led to a 21-11 win over the Dolphins, as I said. And up next, the Patriots will be traveling to Seattle to play the vaunted Seahawks. Behind Russell Wilson, a strong running game, and two pretty productive wide receivers as well, and a strong defense. And I'm curious what the Patriots' plan will be to contain that offense, honestly. Um, Because although they didn't as much in week one, the Seahawks are among the leaders in rush attempts, running yards, they they love they love to pound to pound the rock. And that's probably not even probably, definitely where the Patriots are more questionable. Part of that's simply because the secondary is so dominant, but there are certainly questions in the running game. Because obviously you have Danny Shelton gone up the middle. You have all the linebackers gone. You don't know anything really about the current front seven. My guess is they'll be tested. But then again, the Seahawks passed quite a bit in week one. So maybe not. And they do have Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson can make things happen. And to go along with Russell Wilson, you have Tyler Lockett. They're more or less slot receiver, and second-year wideout DK Metcalf, who is their deep threat, but he's not really a traditional deep threat in that he's not some short guy that just runs fast. He is big, which presents its own challenge because if you were to put... Jonathan Jones on him, for example, which is what they've done in the past with fast guys. That's just a physical mismatch. So I'm not sure what their plan's going to be to guard him. It may even be Stephon Gilmore. We'll see. Because you could always, of course, put Jones on Lockett since he's in the slot, and that's Jones' role. But Tough to say. As I said in my article, only time will tell. So now just talking about some other stories I've seen. Obviously, I I told you about about Evan's tweet about the, uh, the offense and the way that running backs may or may not be used. It also spoke to something I've been thinking in that that's that's similar to the types of plays and and motions that the Rams were running last year when Jed Fish, who's now the quarterback's coach with the Patriots, it's a lot of what they were doing. They, I'd, I'd seen last year, I believe, led the league in pre-snap motion. And they were in the top five again in week one. 
But guess who was number one? Jed Fish's new team, the Patriots. And I think it's it's hard to imagine that that's just simply something that the Patriots did strictly because they have Cam Newton now and Josh McDaniels just had some change of heart now that he's got a mobile quarterback and you can run some window dressing type things. I have a hard time imagining that's all it was. I, I have to think that Jed Fish had a say in that because of his experience doing it with the Rams. And it's just in a larger sense, I wouldn't be surprised if Fish had a, a pretty significant role in in game calling in general, even aside from from motions and things like that. As as great as we think Josh McDaniels is as an offensive coordinator, I mean Fish is Fish is different. He brings a, a different perspective, and I mean we saw how dry the Patriots' offense was at time last year. So that that new perspective could definitely be something that that could help them. And it seemed like Fish had his fingerprints all over the week one game plan. So that's certainly something to monitor going forward. If you see not only more running the ball, but a bunch of pre-snap motion, which I think also would help Nikhil Harry get the ball in space some more as opposed to Again, winning in routes. If you see a lot of that, though, that's that's all Jed Fish. That's that's not. I can't imagine that's Josh McDaniels. As much as people may want to tell you it is, I don't think so. Additionally, on a completely different sort of topic, it's it's not current or anything, but. I, I saw a, a mock draft from CBS Sports. And, I mean, it, it's, always, it's obviously always hard to, to mock for the Patriots. You, you really, you, they, you never know what they're going to do. They rarely take skill guys, although Nikhil Harry was one. Sony Michelle also was one as first-rounders. But... They also have a tendency to to pick guys, not necessarily in the first round, but pick guys that from schools you've never heard of. Great examples: Kyle Duggar from Lenore Rhine, Division Two. So, I was, in a way, surprised and in a way not when I saw in the mock draft, they gave the Patriots linebacker Dylan Moses from Alabama. You've heard linebacker from Alabama before in the draft with the Patriots. That's where Dante Hightower came from. And obviously we know that Bill Belichick has close ties with Nick Saban. So that certainly matters. I'm not going to discount that in any way. They, they've drafted numerous players from Alabama recently. They took Anthony Jennings in the third round this year. They took Damian Harris in the third round last year. A couple years before that, they took defensive back, and kicker-turner Cyrus Jones in the second round. They, they're they certainly not afraid to pick Alabama players. I do wonder, though, if they need a linebacker because 
Obviously, they have Dante Hightower still. He'll still be under contract in 2021. They have Chase Winovich. They have Anthony Jennings. They also drafted, before Jennings, Josh Uchi from Michigan. I mean, they don't really need linebackers. And even though I do think Dylan Moses is a very intriguing prospect, and that's what makes it hard, because... Dylan Moses is a really strong multidimensional prospect. He he can rush the passer. He's he's great in the open field as a tackler. He can drop into coverage. He's in a lot of ways he's not quite the pass rusher, granted, but in a lot of ways he's a Jamie Collins. And those types of freakish athletes that can do everything don't grow on trees. So if if he were there, I, it'd be tempting. It would definitely be tempting. Um, and frankly, the only reason why he'd even be there was that was an ACL injury last year. He missed, I think, essentially the whole season. And he had contemplated actually entering this year's draft. Didn't end up going through with it because... I guess he just wanted to put another year of tape out there considering that he just missed 2019. But yeah, it's hard to say. He'll be, he's probably honestly a top 10 talent. It's just, I feel like it'd be hard to justify taking a linebacker when you have so many and I didn't even mention Jawan Bentley when I was just talking. Jawan Bentley is obviously someone that they trust, as I discussed with how heavy of reps he played. So, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it. It's love the player, don't love the fit, even though it's the type of player that Belichick would certainly be comfortable with. On top of the fact that it feels like they're de-emphasizing linebackers as it is. Like I said, six defensive backs on your average play in week one with seven out there 19 times. If, if you're going to trot out that many defensive backs, that means you're not going to be using your linebackers a whole lot. So we'll see. That would certainly be a player they'd have to think about. But... Tough to see the fit. All right, that will wrap up this first episode of the Pats cast. If you haven't already, do check out my recap of the Patriots win over the Dolphins, as well as brief preview of the matchup against the Seahawks at smnewman48.wixsite.com slash sportswithsteven. There, you can find past content I've written about the Patriots, as well as future content. Of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Stephen N.E. Newman. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-N-E-N-E-W-M-A-N. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to have you again soon. And of course, don't forget to watch the Patriots take on the Seahawks on Sunday night on NBC.